0: Hello, I'm Paul Eaton, and this is In-Depth Commercial Real Estate. This show is an open exploration of the people, ideas, and methods behind commercial real estate. My guest today is John DeAngelo. John is a managing director with Deloitte Consulting and leads the real estate industry sector for Deloitte in the U.S. With over 25 years of experience as a management consultant in real estate, John has helped some of the biggest names in real estate, optimize their operations, and leverage their technology. John, thank you for coming on to the podcast here at In-Depth Commercial Real Estate. Can you tell us how you found yourself in real estate and your path to Deloitte?
1: Yeah, good question, Paul. It was, um, the truth is it was by accident. (laughs) So once upon a time, I was a systems guy and there was a company called Grubbin Ellis that needed a systems guy. So I went to Grubbin Ellis and, you know, I helped do, you know, general technology systems work. And long story short, uh, they ended up, let's say I did that for a bunch of time in one of the big offices at the time, Newport Beach, needed to walk their research director out of the office that day. And I happened to be in the office that day. And the head of the office said, well, gee, our brokers like you. And uh, we we need a new research director. So you want to be it? (laughs) And and I said, sure. (laughs) So you know, that in in six weeks to do, at the time the, the big brokerage companies did press releases, there was no co-star. You know, so all the market analytics came from uh, research directors in, in markets. Uh, so I had six weeks to figure out how to be a research director and learn as much as I could about the dynamics of commercial real estate. And that was 30 years ago. So I either like it or I'm stubborn or, or both. But, you know, listen, the, the, the truth of the matter is I've came to love real estate quickly, sort of the dynamics of it, you know, how many ways real estate touches all of our lives, the personalities that are that are drawn to real estate and in the, in the various angles of real estate. I mean, think about all the sort of wildcat entrepreneurs who, you know, are the leaders in real estate. Those people are a lot of fun to, they can be frustrating too, but they can be an awful lot of fun to be around and helping them run a better business. So more than your simple question, but that's how I got to real estate and that's why I'm still here.
0: So you've been in research for over 30 years regarding commercial real estate. Yeah. What are your thoughts about the reputation of commercial real estate being unwilling to invest in technology and unwilling to lean into certain opportunities that other spaces have really taken advantage of. Is the reputation true? And if it is, why have we been unwilling or unable to take advantage of some of the tools that other businesses are using?
1: Yeah, so here, I'll I'll weave you another another, uh, flag here (laughs) as an answer. So the punchline is, it is true. I think it's justified. And I'm getting increasingly frustrated about it, Paul. And, and part of, listen, part of why I came to Deloitte was to bring all of the things that Deloitte has figured out in other industries to the real estate industry. So, you know, you, and you do that by, I think, understanding the, there, there are certainly complexities about real estate. There are certainly things that are different about real estate. But you also need to understand kind of what the art of the possible is in other industries. And I think we as a general industry have this huge opportunity to change the way we think about technologies and to rethink, you know, data and how data is leveraged and to shift away from being, you know, very sort of instinct and heuristics driven to not, I don't want to replace instinct and heuristics. I think those are, those are fantastic things that cause, you know seemingly maybe even illogical things to happen that have been fantastic. There's something about having a vision and you know, creating something today that doesn't exist that is a very big part of real estate investing and developing. But it would sure be great if we could change the way data has a seat at the table and analytics is used to understand risks and opportunities that sit alongside of, of instincts and judgment and, and heuristics. And, and I think that's the opportunity for the industry is to is to really change in mindset and i think we are moving there paul and i think we're moving there partly with a generational sea change you know as, as leaders you know i'm <clears throat> i'm the first year of of gen x and you know i have i have pretty much and i haven't lived a digital life but you know technologies have have changed the way I live in a very big way in my in, in in my you know lifetime. And you know the thinking about people in Gen X, Gen Y, um, you know, millennials ascending into leadership positions who have very much lived a digital life that have come into our industry and looked around and said, really? This is how this is how you work? And I think that's finally having an impact in the way the industry thinks about using technology and, and using data and using analytics. You know, not as a, a way to replace people in in judgment, but as a way to make people better.
0: What are some examples of a use of that technology that maybe ten years ago were not being used, but are now being used in real estate?
1: Yeah, think about um, uh, God. You know, something as simple as uh, valuations. So, you know, doing pre- I think there's a lot that's been written about. You know, doing predictive modeling around valuations you know and listen single family valuations are are a little easier than than commercial valuations but it doesn't mean it's not possible to you know sort of suggest a range of values that sort of get you in the right planet or the right ballpark that that people can then exercise judgment so just the that thinking about you know gosh the work a think about an, an asset manager inside of you know, one of the big institutional investors, they are like ground zero for needing a lot of information to do their job well. And and a decade ago, it was all done by hook or by crook and spreadsheets, pulling information together, getting what they needed to do their job, spending, you know, two days a week, two and a half days a week, wrangling information before they could spend a minute thinking about it we're seeing places particularly in the big investors where that's shifting in that in the in the division of how much time they spend wrangling data and how much time they spend thinking about what it means is shifting to the good and that's all through you know leverage of technology
0: so i think one it's the willingness to use new ideas and new algorithms to provide us with knowledge i think also it's seeking new sources of data? Because I think we have to have the new data sources to effectively use some of the new tools. Can you think of some examples of where the industry is finding new data sources? As opposed to of course, previously we had, for example, the data from the county appraisal organizations or entities, that's very standard. What are some of the new, like maybe satellite data obviously is coming to the fore. Can you think of any other examples? Sure. Social media sentiment. So, you know, I,
1: I, what, what are people saying about the neighborhood, the block, my building, you know, particularly in, in multifamily, but even, you know, in commercial, right? So it's a data source that didn't really exist in, the, in a big way a decade ago that now exists. And it took real estate a while to figure out that there was value in that data. But it's interesting, Paul, I actually, I I think there's a bigger question about what data do we touch, but it's not captured. It's not captured. It's not leveraged. And it's a good thought experiment to think about, you know, what other data sets should we be looking at and how do we incorporate those with what we have? But there is a mountain of data that ought to be used, but today sits in people's heads or in spreadsheets or in a document. I mean, it's it's there. You can see it. You can touch it. And we're not doing a thing with it because it's it's not collected, right? We don't have you know. Think about the big real estate service providers that touch a tremendous amount of highly validated, highly real time, um, you know, highly valuable data. But it isn't. It, it doesn't exist in a form that you can put it to work. So I actually think that's it's almost easier to find and incorporate or leverage new data sets that, that exist and they're ready to be used than it is to get what's in our heads or what we touch and turn it into something that can be used. And I think that's really exciting. I would love the two to come together because then you really can make hay.
0: Deloitte now has an artificial intelligence institute. Is that specifically for commercial real estate or it's a, a broader umbrella? that covers multiple spaces and you're reaching in and seeing what they have to offer for uh, commercial real estate.
1: Yeah, what a great and, and I think I buried the lead a little bit, Paul. I, I, so I joined Deloitte just three years ago, you know partly as I said, for the opportunity to bring Deloitte to the industry. The AI Institute's a great example of sort of you know validating the reasons that I came to Deloitte or you know to be true. So two things I'll tell you about that. One of them is I talked to the head of our AI Institute not long ago. And I had to spend, I don't know, half of our call explaining to her the starting place of data in real estate, because it really is not a great, it's not like I was proud of, of, of how, how how great our data is and how ready it is to be used. So I find myself doing that a lot inside of Deloitte explaining where the industry is and you know kind of what the opportunities are. But the, the reason for the call with, with our head of the AI Institute was to talk about ways that AI can be applied inside of the real estate space. And that's the whole mission of the AI Institute. It's not sort of pure, it's not pure research. It's, it's not, you know, AI theory. It, it's all about how does AI get applied to business uses? So thinking about you know the applications of ai in different industries and you know and what's common across those industries and the kinds of things that you've got to be thinking about you know like ethics in ai and you know how those come together uh, so the, so the ai institute and if you haven't I, if you go look at our public facing website for the ai institute there's some fantastic videos that talk about where AI is and how AI can be applied across uh, some industries to, to really bring about innovation.
0: What are some examples of AI use that are currently being used in other businesses or other spaces that you think are being or will be applied to commercial real estate?
1: Yeah, there's one that I think, well, here, let me give you a couple of them. So one of them is uh, natural language processing. So that is, so think of AI as, as incorporating machine learning and a bunch of different forms of AI. But one in particular is NLP. So extracting meaning from static documents. So crawling through, looking for, you know, AI is a, a bunch of AI is about pattern recognition, <laughs> right? right. On, on a big scale, right. done really well. So you're looking for phrases or, or words in headlines or, you know, or in the vast number of documents that we have inside of real estate and extracting data from things today that are that don't exist as data. They exist as, you know, artifacts. I think the potential for that to create data that can then again be used in, in AI applications is, I think, a, a really interesting thing. You know, the other one is think about, actually, there's an example that the AI Institute gives about basically making appointment calls more valuable or more effective. So so think about, you know, a hospital that is reaching out to people to remind them of appointments. Well, there's only so many, you've got so many resources, they can make so many calls an hour. The raw amount of work in, in in certain applications has become so much more valuable by applying AI. So effectively what you're doing is thinking about, well, look, who's going to show up anyway? Who do we not need to call? Who are the high-risk people based on all the data patterns that we see that a call can make a huge difference on? And instead of just giving people a, a list of appointments to follow up on, give them the appointments that are risky, that look like, boy, if we can if we can make a call here to this person, or we can make two or three calls instead of just one, we'll, we'll raise the, the, you know, the number of people that show up for their appointments on time, (laughs) which has these huge cost implications. Right. And effectively all you're doing with AI is giving somebody a different call list than you would have given them before AI, but they're doing the same work. They're just doing that. The, the, the results from that work are so much more effective. So, I mean, imagine that for people that are making cold calls. So I I had somebody call them ramen eaters, you know, the the, the people that are just coming in, right, that are, you know, working for their desk cost that are pounding out calls. If you could hand them a list that helps them be more effective in, in those calls, you know, gets them effective earlier in their career, brings in, you know, more revenue. It has all these ripple effects. So there's a direct application to that use case in real estate.
0: How do you think the Internet of Things, IoT, is going to affect real estate?
1: Yeah, boy, we did a survey, I don't know, two, three years ago as part of uh, an annual publication we do about commercial real estate. And I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but just in broad strokes, it turned out that of the people who captured IoT data, you know, only a, so not everybody captured it. Of the people that did capture it, you know, a fraction, like 10%, were doing anything with it. I think the, the, the potential for IOT, you know combined with machine learning or you know AI, is in, in helping us run better assets. You know so when's a, there's the normal use cases of think about when a piece of equipment is is raising its hand and telling you it's about to fail or you know, how and where is my building not running as well as it could be? and, and what do I do about it? All the way, if you keep playing that out, IOT plus, you know, with with lots of of the right sort of safeguards, plus AI, you know, could help you run an autonomous building. A building that, you know, if, if maintenance is needed, can call for a truck roll. If a set point's wrong, can either change the set point of, of of equipment, or you know, raise it to somebody to pay attention to it to change a set point. And I think the just having buildings that are you know, better environmentally that have a, you know, the, their use of resources is as efficient as possible and their impact in the environment in which they live,
0: you know, as, as impactful as possible. I think IOT data actually gets us a long way there. You know, I think it'd be very helpful because right now many of us are using rules of thumb to make decisions that may be the, the, the correct frequency for some maybe maintenance on average but every building and every system is different. And IOT and machine learning can help us make the best recipe for a particular asset, which may be quite different than the rules of thumb that we're using that work in general for most buildings. You bet. So I think it would potentially save us quite a bit of money and and time.
1: It, you know, and with some better direct engagement with the actual users of the building. So, I mean that, and which has been a, I think we've got a long, a long way to go there. But um, so, think about, you know, measure if if you've got a way to to get feedback about somebody's comfort and and how they're using a space or how they're interacting with the space in a in a specific building, and leveraging that to. You know, get set points that are right, that, that, that get you at the sweet spot of making people comfortable and happy and running an efficient building. That's, I mean, it's, it's complicated and and, it's, and it can't be ham-fisted because it's not like, to your point, it's the same for every building and every location, you know, with every set of users. But if you can particularize that to a given building and really understand, you know, with, with some tinkering... Where that sweet spot is and making people happy and comfortable and safe and and running an efficient building, it's got, you know, leverage of AI and IoT all over it.
0: Let's move to opportunities for investors. What kind of opportunities are you seeing for investors currently in the markets or the next three or four years?
1: Yeah, so... So that's interesting, Paul. I, I think, and maybe it is in an arc that's longer than the next three or four years, because there's a little bit of mindset change that has to happen in an industry that's been a flocking industry. You know, so think about the the big investors. They you know that that are that are putting out money for a and, and have a long hold period. They're going to what has historically been a safe a safe place for that. The numbers of conversations that that, that we Deloitte have had about. You know, understanding market dynamics over you know certainly the COVID period, right? As people have sort of moved around, and you know maybe they're looking for different things. So just using data analytics to understand market behavior and market dynamics in a much more real time sense, I think is really interesting. I think it was. Listen, I think it, it existed before sort of the COVID shutdown. I remember having a conversation with a with a client about. You know, how do we, using, you know, Nashville as, a, as an example of, boy, if we'd only known, you know, how much Nashville was going to be sort of a healthcare mecca, you know, we could have built multifamily before the next people did and et cetera, et cetera. But that whole thing, you know, picking the next X, you know, bolder, I, you'd fill in the blank, right, of, you know, what indicators tell you jobs, social media sediment, you know, kinds of retail that are popping up that give you a leading indicator that this is some place you need to pay attention to i think that's a it's it's a tremendous opportunity for investors but it also it also means you kind of have to set aside your preconceived notion about markets and and look at what the data tells you
0: maybe I, maybe use you might come up with some non-intuitive results which is the point which if is they are exactly intuitive, the that's point. where everyone is going so what types of opportunities are you seeing for service providers
1: well, yeah. So I think I think service providers are the poster child of if they could actually have enterprise data. So all, all the pieces of information that they touch across you know, think about the big service providers so that, you know, that that maintain buildings, that provide services to occupants, that, you know, are on the tenant side or the landlord side, that, you know, buy and sell buildings, you know, that do on-site property management. So across all those businesses. If they, could, if they could, so the, the, not to, these people are my clients, so I'll be a little bit valorizing, but, you know, there is some of that that's captured. But if, if a, a, a significantly bigger amount of what they touch is captured and leveraged, they could provide real insights and value, not in a storytelling way, but in a fact-based way. You know, so you're selling a, a building. Well, you know, how great would it be to predict, to use analytics to predict, you know who's probably going to be bidding on this building you know beyond just the people everybody knows about but you know what behaviors do we see from capital that that predict who this is going to go to so it helps us predict how to market this particular asset in this particular location at this particular time in the marketplace and they're do listen they're they're pretty good at doing that through just instincts but if you could again combine instincts with you know real fact patterns of data I think the the first company that really can demonstrate that is going to have big competitive advantage for for some amount of time because it's not it's not simple there's you've got to change behavior about what gets captured how it gets captured you know what data is your data versus what data is my data
0: I think one of the big challenges that we're having is the incentives of sharing data for example it's very difficult to get a really good picture of when leases are going to be ending in a particular market because brokers don't want to provide that information because it gives other brokers an ability to go and contact that tenant because they know in X number of months, their lease is going to be uh, terminating. And so people can often hoard the data and not share it. Even sometimes, even within organizations, much less, Across the market, I'm not sure how we can change that behavior.
1: Well, I think there's two things, Paul. I think one of them is create a virtuous cycle. So, so create a you know kind of a quid pro quo of if you give me this information, here's the kind of things that we can do for you that will help you compete in the marketplace in a in a way that differentiates you from competitors. So there is a, a there is a certainly a, a pull piece. I think there's a push piece of of um, changing the culture inside of the big services companies about sort of intolerance for it, for hoarding information. You know, and and historically it's been well they're independent contractors and you know we don't want to be too, too pushy about this cuz they'll take their data and go across the street. And and we're just starting to see conversations about, you know, we it's just going to always be like this or we're gonna become irrelevant unless we get our act together and start, you know, actually gathering and sharing information even with our own four walls. But I think there's I think those two things of picking, you know, a couple of simple things that without data you just can't do and proving that it's that it both works and and it's valuable. And and leadership at some of the services companies getting I think, more feisty than they are now about the importance of, of gathering enterprise data and, and you know, getting rid of it from you know, personal silos. And, and listen, Paul, when I, you know, I, I'm talking about the late 80s, early 90s, I remember being around late at night doing reports, coming out and seeing you know, brokers going through other brokers' files. So it, it just wasn't that long ago. But I think, the, I think the dynamic needs to change a little bit.
0: One final question. How optimistic are you that the openness to using new tools in commercial real estate is going to change over the next 5 or 10 years?
1: Well, listen, I'm temperamentally very much an optimist, but I I, I think I also have reasons to be optimistic. And I think that you picked a, a timeline that I think is right. It's probably in the next 5 or 10 years. Based on conversations and behavior, and I think a wake-up call from... The pandemic and, and you know the ways it's affected real estate and the way the ways that people really needed to get real time you know kind of pulse information has uh, that you know and kind of the generational sea change I think has created an environment where there is much more interest and willingness and it is about the you know when we're, we're seeing also sorry I totally forgot about this we we saw nobody with the title of innovation you know, five years ago. And now we're seeing chief innovation officers pop up. So there's all these things that point to, okay, we get it or we want to get it. We think there's value here. And now we just need to know what to do. <laughs> if I can paraphrase, right, which is a much different starting place than prove to us that there's value here.
0: John, thanks a lot for coming on to this podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'll put your information in the show notes.
1: Thanks for having me, Paul. It was fun to talk.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of In Depth Commercial Real Estate.